Thank you, Peter. It is so good to be with you. Uh, I had the opportunity a while back to do this, and I just think so highly of your church. I've had the opportunity in the last several years to walk alongside some of your leaders, and I hold you and them in very high regard. I also think of you as a bright light for God here in this part of Chicago. Today I want to talk about change, what's changed and how it's changed us. So I invite you to think back 18 months to March of 2020. What has changed in your life since then? Everything same old, same old? I guess not, right? How about in your work life? Some of you are now working from home or maybe you've changed your career completely. Some people are saying, you know what, uh, I used to travel all the time. I haven't racked up any frequent flyer miles in a while. How about your relational world? Did you start a new relationship or maybe end one? Are your relationships more strained or more healthy these days? Did you get a pandemic pet? My daughter, Johanna, who's single and lives in the city, I think she was the first one to the shelter, the very first weekend of the lockdown, and she got Howie. Here's a picture of her dog who has brought her so much joy during this season. Some of us have experienced physical changes, maybe weight gain or weight loss. There's huge changes for students. Many of them were studying from home or doing a hybrid version, wearing masks. Changes in the White House with the new administration, changes in our economy, the real estate market, the price of food and diapers and lumber, way, way, way up. On a more serious note, what or maybe who have you lost during this pandemic? Surely some among us are grieving the loss of a loved one. And then, for those of us in the room today, how the gatherings have changed. I know at my church pre-pandemic, we would stand shoulder to shoulder, worshiping together, and now we leave church and we have that tentative, do I hug or not hug kind of moment with people. Many are still choosing to worship online, and we welcome you if that's where you are today. But there has been so much change on a massive level in the last couple years. And when the changes are difficult, how do we hold on to faith? How do we feel grounded when the winds of transition and change are blowing through our lives and we feel such tremendous uncertainty? You know, as believers have done for ages, I want to go to the book of Psalms to show the way. I invite you, if you brought your Bible, to open it up or go to your screen. We'll also have the verses up on the screen. But we're going to head to Psalm 136. And I want to remind us that all of the Psalms are essentially songs. This particular song was likely used for worship among God's people with the leader calling out the first phrase and then all of the people would say the refrain. That is repeated every time in 26 verses. The phrase is translated a few different ways. In some Bibles it says, his love endures forever. The message version says, his love never quits. And I think my favorite is the translation that says, his steadfast love endures forever. Because I love that word steadfast. It means a firm loyalty, unswerving dedication, immovable, irrefutable, unchangeable, unalterable, and completely and utterly dependable and determined. 
The word steadfast is used frequently in Scripture, 127 times just in the Psalms. And I think just saying the word makes us feel strong and protected, steadfast, right? Great word. Now, Psalm 136 is divided into three sections. After the big picture introduction, when God is focusing on his creation, the next section is all about the ways he has delivered his people through the years. We're going to just do the first nine verses, and I am told here at this service you are quite accustomed to responsive readings, and you do them very, very well. So you've been put as, you know, a shining light in this. I want to ask you to stand, and we're going to do this together the way they would have done it way back when it was first written. Peter is going to help us, and he is going to lead you with the congregational response, and I'll be the leader. Okay, are you ready? Now you got to prove how good you are at this. All right, here we go. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. His steadfast love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. His steadfast love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His steadfast love endures forever. Hang in there, you're almost done. Okay, who made the great lights. His steadfast love endures forever. The sun to govern the day. His steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to govern the night. His steadfast love endures forever. Great job. You may be seated. I'm not making you do all 26 verses, but it keeps going from there. And I can just imagine how this would reinforce among God's people with each repetition trust and confidence in the utterly dependable, unchanging love of our God. In fact, when we speak these words about God's steadfast love, we should look around at one another. We should communicate that we're reminding every single one of us, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what you went through this week, that God will be faithful. His love never quits. You know, our lives are a series of seasons. At my age, I've been through more seasons than some of you. I invite you to think back about the seasons you have experienced so far, both personally and professionally. And I think it's really helpful to give each season a name. What would you call the season that you are in right now? Try not to use any naughty words, okay? What, what would you call this season? I think back to some of my previous seasons. When I was in my 30s, we had two young daughters, and both my husband and I were doing very demanding jobs along with volunteering at church. I would call that the hair on fire season. This was a time, some of you have been there, when life felt so frantic, never enough hours in the day. I felt like I was always not doing enough, either at home or with my family, as a mom, a wife, and a friend. Maybe some of you are in a hair on fire season these days. As our daughters moved into middle school and then high school, I entered the I have no idea what to say season. Let me explain. Tweens and teens, as many of you know, come to their parents with requests to go to a certain party or to add another activity, or even more challenging, asking you questions about culture and God and about what's going on in the world. 
I had some friends who were a little further along as parents, and they gave my husband and me some great advice. They told us on some things, just don't answer too quickly. Buy some time. Say you will discuss it together and get back to them, and then beg God for wisdom. Skipping way ahead, when the girls went to college, we went through the why is it so quiet season of the empty nest, adjusting to learning to cook for just two, redefining my identity, and also making a transition, in my case, to a new kind of work. I have a name for my daughter Johanna's current season. She's the single one who lives in the city. This came from a book title by Parker Palmer. I tell her she's in the on the brink of everything season. In the past year, Johanna's rescue dog was only one of many changes. She's also begun a new dating relationship, a new volunteer role at her church, a new job, and now next month she's moving to a new place. She is on the brink of everything. But some among us might feel the opposite. Maybe you feel like you're in a season where you are stuck, a season that has weighed you down. Some in, your, in our room here today might be facing financial insecurity or health issues or a broken relationship. So many are struggling with mental health issues and depression these days. Give your season a name. Be fiercely honest about it. Writer Susan Alexander Yates suggests that you and I carry two myths about our seasons. The first myth is that this season will never end. Many of us have felt that way about COVID, haven't we? All the changes have gone way further and longer than any of us anticipated. As a mom, I remember thinking that the season of potty training would never end, or the season with braces on both of them, or the season of chauffeuring them everywhere. But eventually, every season does end. William Bridges is an expert on transitions, and he says there are three phases to each one. First, there are endings, then we move into a neutral zone, and then there are new beginnings. But all changes begin with an ending. And we ask ourselves questions like, what is over now? What's over now? And what do I need to let go of? Even transitions which we initiate and look forward to include some version of letting go. And often there is grief over what is over now. Sometimes it's pure celebration. My daughter Samantha had a high school math teacher named Mrs. Cherry. And though she was probably brilliant about math, she couldn't explain it in a way that any of the students really could understand. And that entire year was a battle for Samantha. So when she had survived it and we got to the end of that year, I baked a cherry pie. Okay, I probably bought a cherry pie, but we had a cherry pie for dinner and we had a goodbye Mrs. Cherry celebration in our little family. She never knew about it, I hope. Maybe what you need to let go of is a certain job or a certain comfort that you have. Or maybe it's a home that you need to move out of. But something is ending now, and it's so hard to admit when it's over. After endings, we enter the dreaded uh, neutral zone, which some people call the land between. It's that time of waiting when we're hanging, like we're between trapezes, right? We haven't completely let go of the one thing, but we haven't grabbed on to what is next. And then finally, there is the very tentative phase of new beginnings. You know, every time we think this pandemic is over, 
it feels like a new beginning. There's the joy of being together again or going to a restaurant or hugging people. But it's very tentative, right? Even with this fourth wave of COVID and wondering, are we going backwards? But eventually, even this season will finally be over. So the first myth that a season will never end proves to be false. The second myth is, I am alone in this season. Or no one else has ever experienced this before. And I would call those myths actually a lie. We so easily start to believe, don't we, that everybody else is able to cope and flourish while we are floundering. And I think social media really magnifies this lie as we compare ourselves to others. We're tempted, I know I am, to create an image that we're more together than we really are and we hide what we don't want others to see. We, we sort of craft an image on social media. We only show people our best days, right? The recipe that turned out. We don't show them the hard days. We hide when we're struggling. Both of my daughters are theater people, and they created a scene imagining the images that you and I send each other through social media or other surface-level modes of communication. And I want to show you this scene. It's on video right now. Take a look at this. It's called Image Management. There she is. We finally made it happen. I miss you. I miss you. What are you up to? Oh, picture me. Um, picture me at like a cute little street festival. Ugh, I miss Chicago. Do you guys love your new place? Ugh. Picture me obsessed with it. Picture me in a really cute apartment in a really cool neighborhood with like really cool spots and us always going to all the spots. Awesome. And married life is good. Picture it perfect. Picture him home all the time. Picture us transitioning to living together is pretty much seamless. Picture I love his little chin hairs in the sink. Remember like how we were at our wedding? Yeah. Picture that. Love that. So happy for you guys. Thank you. And how about you? How was your trip? Ah, uh, my trip was, well, first of all, picture me the most tan I've ever been. <laughs> more than that one time? Way more. Whoa. Picture me never speaking English, basically a local. Impressive. Good, yeah. Picture me alone a lot, but the good kind of alone. The confident alone. You know the confident kind of alone? Mm, I know about the other kind of alone, the insecure kind. I mean, I don't know about it. I've heard about it. <laughs> right. Not that. Not that. Opposite of that. Uh, like doing yoga on a mountaintop kind of alone. Got it. Okay. I'm picturing you tan, doing warrior pose on a mountaintop, never speaking English, confidently by yourself. Perfect. But I mean, also picture me doing what I went there to do. I mean, picture me saving the world a little. Well, of course. I mean, in small ways. Picture it was ethical and responsible. Picture me humble. But picture me a really good person making a difference in the lives of kids in need. Okay. Don't picture me crying under my mosquito net. I'm not. I'm serious. Why would I picture that? I don't know. Don't. But feel free to give out that other picture to anyone who asks about me and my trip. I will. I will. I'll give it to mom and dad. Hmm. How are mom and dad? Picture them older. Mm, I don't want to. Okay, picture them the same. How'd everything go with their move? Fine. Yeah? Yeah, good. Picture me having everything under control. I always do. I mean, picture me a little bit sad, saying goodbye to our childhood home. Sure. But imagine that I didn't need you there. Imagine I would have liked to be there. Deal. Deal. Their new place is fine. It's only one level. That's most important. No stairs for mom. They're excited for you to see it when you come next month. Oh. You are coming next month. Um, for mom's surgery? 
picture that I'm too busy. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's fine. Okay, really? Yeah. I'm super bummed. Well, picture me just a little bit bummed. Don't picture me crushed. Okay, good. Picture me busy, too. I am. I'm picturing you super busy with your job search. Exactly. What kind of thing are you looking for? Well, actually, okay, I know this isn't expected. It's kind of out of the blue, but I'm wondering about... I know this isn't what I've done, and it's not necessarily what I plan to do. It's a little risky. But I'm excited about dipping my toe into... Never mind. Picture me doing what I've always done. You sure? Yeah. Uh, please don't picture me in process. Don't picture me changing lanes. Picture me having changed. Picture me once I know my new idea works. I'll let you know when. I'll let you know if. Okay. What do you got going on the rest of the night? Picture me with fun plans. Same. I wish I could go out with you. I wish I could see you. Yeah, well, we were supposed to next month. You told me not to picture you crushed. I'm not crushed. You sound mad. I'm starting to picture you a little bit mad. Why are you picturing me mad? I'm not <clears throat> mad. Stop picturing that. I can't afford to come home. Oh. I was picturing you were too busy. Well, if you could see me, you would see me eating Cheez-Its and staring at my bank account on the screen telling me I can't afford a plane ticket. You would see that I'm not busy. You would see that I'm broke. Except not. I mean, I'm not actually broke. Not at all compared to what, you know, what I saw on my trip. My trip was really hard. I don't know how to talk about it. People keep asking me, how's your trip? How's your trip? How's your trip? And what they want is like a short, positive sentence with a period. And what I have are a zillion questions that I'm still thinking of and a horrible sunburn. I'm not tan at all. You would see that if you could see me. I'm burnt because all I did was play soccer. Oh, I pictured you making a difference. No, they had me assisting a teacher who didn't need to be assisted. So I basically played soccer and journaled and everyone spoke to me in English. I don't know why I was there. I didn't help anyone. But why did I go there thinking I would? That school doesn't need me, it needs water. So then I got home and I made a big donation, like a big, big donation, and now I'm broke. Except I'm not, actually, but I can't afford a plane ticket and still pay my rent, even though the most helpful thing I could have done all summer would have been help you help mom and dad. And I know you're mad you're doing it alone. Don't worry about me. I'm scared they're getting old. And you're married, and our family's changing, and our house is gone, and then I feel like those feelings are dumb because the world is broken, and I get to eat Cheez-Its, and I'm opening another box, and I'm already in my PJs because my only plans after this are with Netflix. So, that's what you would see if you could see me. Oh, look at me. Okay, picture me looking at you. Look at me. But then you'd see me. And what would I see? I don't know. That's okay. It is? Too many of us are crafting an image, and we're not taking the risk to tell one another when we're struggling. We're afraid that maybe we won't be accepted or perceived the same way if we share that which is difficult. And I want to urge you, I want to urge you to take that risk with a friend or family member. The Bible teaches us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn and to walk with one another. I also urge you, if you're in a difficult season, to lean into the steadfast love of your Heavenly Father. I believe that He is an ever-present help in trouble. There's another psalm that's become such a treasure to me in recent days. This psalm gives us a big-picture perspective of all the seasons of life. It's Psalm 121, 
and it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. He will watch over your coming and your going now and forevermore. The Lord watches over your life. He sees you, every one of you. He knows what brought you the greatest joy last week. He was there. He saw it. He saw that moment. But he also knows what brought you the greatest sadness or anxiety. Lean into the steadfast love of our Heavenly Father in every single season of your life. I was reflecting on my life a few months ago when I drove up to southern Wisconsin for a couple days of solitude. I needed to work on a writing project, but just driving up to Lake Geneva or Delavan, I feel myself breathing more deeply and slowing my pace. And that's because going back to when I was in high school, it's just been a safe place of retreat for me and very key gatherings with God's people when my love for Jesus grew and my love for other people. It's where I participated in or led at least four retreats a year. But it's also where I go when I need solitude. These days I'll drive up to the Lake Geneva Public Library. If you've ever seen it, it has a place with floor-to-ceiling windows, and you can just sit in these comfy chairs and look out at the lake, and I'll sit there with my Bible and my journal, and I'll think back to the past few months And I'll ask the Lord for his presence and his guidance and his healing. It's where I go to get grounded. And I realized as I was looking out at the sparkling lake that I have a new season to name. As I'm getting older, I'd like to give it a critical name like the season of wrinkles or the season of not remembering anything. But along with the theme of being gentle with yourself, I'm giving it a different name. Before I tell you the name for my new season, I want to say a word to those of you, like me, who are the age of 60 or older, or almost there. To those of you who find yourselves in the final third or quarter of life, I invite you to recognize that as Parker Palmer says, this is no time to hunker down. That's what he says. He's in his 80s now. And he says he chooses to delight in the gift of life and to be grateful. I'm challenged by psychologist Eric Erickson, who said that we face a very critical choice as we age between generativity and stagnation. Instead of becoming cynical or critical or numb or bitter or withdrawn, what if we choose instead to develop a beginner's mind? If we're curious, ever learning and growing, what if our final season is one where we give of ourselves out of the wisdom that comes from experience and from our many failures? So my name for this season I find myself in is the being available season. My husband and Warren and I are discovering that the best thing we can do at the start of each week is simply ask God, is there someone we can encourage this week? Is there someone we can come alongside and listen to and learn from? It's a season where we don't want to be pushing. We want to be curious and open, and you often use phrases like, tell me more about that, or 
I could be wrong, or I wonder if. All of us would greatly benefit from intergenerational connections where we can learn from one another. Some call it mentoring, and Palmer describes it this way. He says, mentors and apprentices are partners in an ancient human dance. It is the dance of the spiraling generations in which the old empower the young with their experience and the young empower the old with new life, reweaving the fabric of the human community as they touch and turn. I want to be a part of the mentoring dance, knowing I will receive at least as much as I give and I will learn even more than I teach. Also in this being available season, I'm learning how to parent adult children. Some of you are learning this as well. I had no idea, honestly, that parenting never really ends. It just changes. A couple weeks ago, Warren and I had several calls initiated by our daughters about issues like taxes, a job change, an awkward relationship at work, and one of them thinking about a home purchase. I'm learning how to give my presence without pushing, my concern without controlling, my encouragement without critique. We're seeking to be good sounding boards. Very recently, we discovered that we are about to become grandparents for the first time, so we are entering into a whole new season. You know, the church offers, I think, rare opportunities for intergenerational relationships. This is God's design for us not to always separate and only hang out with people who are in our same season of life, but to cultivate friendships across age and race and gender. I've seen the wonder of this play out for my daughters Samantha and Will, who now live in Austin, Texas. They bought their first starter home last year, and a baby boomer friend from their church named Don has been hugely helpful in all kinds of ways. Recently, he helped Will build a porch for them to enjoy. We have a couple photos of Don and Will. Don also came over after the deep freeze they had in Texas last winter, and he stood there while they turned on their water for the first time because they were terrified of having frozen pipes. I'm so grateful for the friendship that they've established when we live far away. That is the wonder of the church and intergenerational relationships. And I hope you're pursuing these kinds of relationships here at Christ Church. We can help one another through each season and remind one another of God's steadfast love. So friends, my challenge for all of us is simply this. Pay attention to your one and only life. Whatever season you have named, take some time to reflect. Where do you go to get grounded? Maybe it's a certain chair in your home or a favorite coffee shop or maybe occasionally you like to drive somewhere like to my Lake Geneva. And when we take the time to examine our lives, to look at them with what one writer calls fierce reality, we're able to listen for the lessons that God has for us in every single season. You know, it's hard sometimes to see the purpose in seasons of pain Pastor Jeff Mannion, in his book, The Land Between, writes this, dramatic growth requires pain. Don't you hate that? I don't like that, but it's true. Dramatic growth requires pain. Remember this when you find yourself in a maddening detour. Remember that God is at work in all things and that he desires to shape and transform you. Resist the temptation to zone out, numb out, or check out. 
God intends to grow something deep and beautiful and lasting. But we must cooperate with God for the season of hardship to work its intended transformation. Don't let your detour go wasted. You are in training, and God is up to something good. Let's not let any of our seasons or detours go wasted. My friends, whatever season you're in, I have a homework assignment for you. Taking us back to Psalm 136 with each couplet reminding us that God's steadfast love endures forever, what if you wrote your own version of that psalm? You could begin like the actual psalm begins with some ideas about creation. I would praise God for the glorious taste of summer tomatoes and the beauty of hydrangea bushes. And then Psalm 136 moves on to statements about God's provision in the past. So look back at your life at past seasons and remember, remember how God brought you through with his faithfulness, through that broken relationship or that addiction or that job loss or any other difficult season in your life. And then end each statement with a resounding affirmation that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. I close with this reminder from Psalm 121. The Lord is watching over your life. The Lord is watching over your coming and your going, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you see us, every single one of us, no matter what season we are in, and God, we are going to choose to trust you, even in the difficult seasons. Help us to see your purpose, to sense your presence and your voice, to allow you to provide for us. I also pray that we will all have the courage to share the difficult seasons with someone else, that we won't be hiding, we won't be pretending, but we will be real with one another. Thank you that you watch over our lives, God. Thank you that you see us even in this moment right now. We love being your children. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.